Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show from the Formula Nerds. I'm Sam, and this week we're covering a range of topics in the run-up to the Spanish Grand Prix, including which categories are racing there this weekend, and also is it a crucial race for Mercedes, Vettel's future in the sport, the FIA talks that rumble on with regards to Massey and jewellery, and the new sprint races for 2023, and if there are any new venues that might be added to the calendar. joined by Abby, Grace and James. Abby, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I'm enjoying the sunny weather in England for a change other than rain. How are you? I'm good. It's a, it's a bit too hot um, for me. I mean, not outside. It's lovely outside, but I'm in a top floor flat, so I'm like you know, fully sweating. Um, James, how's, how's the weather in Paris? Yeah, it's also very hot and definitely too hot to have just moved flat, which is what I've just done. So, yeah, other than that, all good. And Grace, quickly before you take us away into the first topic, how are you? I'm well. I'm also in a top flat in the sun. Yeah, it's Scotland, so even though it's sunny, it's still not warm. But um, happy to be on the show, happy to be back. And I've got to say, Sam, you missed out one piece of very important news that came about just a few hours ago, and that is there will be no replacement race for the Russian Grand Prix. So... Everyone was speculating, could it be Qatar, maybe even Malaysia, or a completely new venue, maybe even Germany. But the FIO hates Germany, apparently, for races. But yeah, no replacement. 
Well, I mean, Germany has been touted. Um, it's come back round into discussions for, for future calendars. But you are absolutely right. I did neglect to mention it. Was it on purpose? You will never know. Um, so, yeah, as Grace said, there is going to be no Russian Grand Prix replacement for the year. So we're sticking with 22. But what we're not doing is in F2, sticking with 13. They have increased the schedule back up to 14. And uh, Abby, where are they taking us? They're going to France to race at Le Castellet. So they're sticking with 14, like you said. So July will be a very busy month for Formula 2. It certainly will. James, I know France, uh, I know France is a big country and Paris is somewhere away. Are you going to make the trip down? Uh, it depends if uh, if anyone pays for me to go there. It's a long way to go. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm probably not that much closer than I was just outside London. France is big. I've done the drive. It's about 10 hours away. But, you know, maybe. We'll see. It's nice uh, Nice to see F2 joining in the, the fun in France. It's nice to see that France hasn't changed you, James, because any other French person would have cringed at Abby's little Le Castellet. I, I can't judge. I'm still learning French. <laughs> I do speak on. I do speak a bit of French, just to let you know. Ooh, I used to. Latin for me. <laughs> but moving on from an honorary Frenchman to an actual Frenchman, the leader of F2 this season so far is Théo Porcher. And that is one of the series that will be supporting the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend, along with F3 and W Series. So we've got a full slate to look forward to, which basically means that our weekends are going to be, you know, wall-to-wall race coverage um which is a blessing um in my book anyway so yeah you can catch all of that on sky sports of course and uh, you can catch all the updates uh post-session uh features on the formula nerds website or on the facebook group so uh, make sure you're checking those out as well so james the spanish grand prix is a particularly big one for one team in particular and obviously it's the typical kind of upgrade point in the season or the first one but there's one particular team that have kind of pinned a lot of hope on this uh, on this particular weekend yes you're right uh you kind of stole my intro but yes it is mercedes who are pinning well not pinning their hopes on the spanish grand prix but they are they're using it as a way for them to find out basically whether they're going to carry on with the w13's current idea or not uh, they're going to compare what they find out this weekend to what they discovered at the preseason test. Albeit that was quite a different car because they didn't have their zero side pods yet. That only came in at Bahrain. But either way, they're still going to to compare and contrast and seemingly, according to Toto Wolff, decide whether or not to pursue this current idea or switch everything up for 2023. To side pod or not to side pod? That is the question for Mercedes. Sorry, I had to. That makes me cringe. <laughs> Well, you've done it now. And I mean, it's not, it's fair. I think Spain will be interesting. Sorry. I think Spain will be interesting for a lot of teams though, because it will see if the closer racing does work and if the teams have really got these new regs under control, because if if it doesn't, then Spain's just going to be as boring as ever. Let's be honest. I mean, there there will be upgrades for, for many of the teams. Red Bull, we're not expecting to bring significant changes, but Ferrari have seeming you know will seemingly you know bring some some upgrades so it's interesting to see the kind of comparison in their approaches it's kind of i don't know if any of you have ever done project management or product management but there's waterfall approach which is like one big release or agile 
um, which is lots of little kind of uh, changes. So yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a contrast there between those guys. But also Aston Martin are potentially going to be the the most different looking car. At least half the garage will have the most different looking car from the previous race in Miami. Um, Lance Stroll expected to have big changes to what part of the car is it, Grace? Could it be a side pod? It might be a side pod. We're also expecting changes to their rear wing. So, yeah, as I said before, half the garage could look startlingly different from the other half, which I I don't recall ever kind of really seeing. Um, I, I remember a couple of years ago, Racing Point, they had a slightly kind of different side pod on, on Perez's car to Stroll's car. Um, but no, this could be, it could look quite odd. So yeah, Aston Martin are bringing updates and then like you said, Ferrari are, but Red Bull aren't. And another team that aren't is Haas. Now, Gunter Steiner has said that the team are going to wait four or five races until they bring updates. I know Barcelona, we all know that all the teams have loads of experience there. So I don't know whether it's just to see how they manage, but it'll be interesting to see what updates they bring and what race they will bring them at. I think they'll need it pretty soon though because despite their pretty good start they have gone a bit down in the constructor standing so hopefully they'll work for them but can I just bring it back I think we've just brushed over the fact that half of Aston Martin will be pretty much a new car half of it won't be how do you think they chose to change Lance's car could it be uh, Daddy Stroll having an influence or could it be like all the speculation that Vettel might be leaving what Maybe. What do you think, James? I think it's the former. I think it's a bit of nepotism, realistically, isn't it? I mean, it's from a logical point of view, there is one driver who is a four-time world champion who is one of the most experienced guys on the grid. And then there's Lance Stroll. Now, with the best will in the world, you know, Lance has proven himself to be far more than just a pay driver at points in the last few years. But if you're looking for feedback, I mean, we obviously don't know exactly what feedback drivers provide, but Everyone has said how good technically Seb is. So, yeah, uh, I can't see another reason for it being Lance who gets all the upgrades. I'll defend Lance Stroll to the end. I think he's a good driver. And if he didn't have the backing his father gave him, I still think there would be a definite shot he could be in F1. But, yeah, I agree with you. Because <laughs> when you've got Seb as the other option, who's yeah. four-time world champion, also, yeah, a master at setting up cars, he knows what he's doing. Could it be that... Over the course of the year, obviously, Seb has had a slower start with having COVID, that you're more likely to get laps, mileage, and therefore data with the the changes to Stroll's car. But also, we don't, you know, everyone says how good Vettel is at, you know, providing feedback, setting up a car. I don't doubt that for a second. But we never really talk about how good Lance is, because I think we don't know. And one driver who got, you know, quite a lot of criticism throughout his time in F1 was Roman Grosjean, who by all accounts was exceptional at setting up a car and from a research and development perspective, which is partly why he, he was with Haas for so long. So there there could be other sides to this that we don't necessarily see. So I don't know. I'm 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 gonna sit on the fence on this one. Slash reserve judgment. We'll have to see. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the speculation surrounding Vettel leaving F1 Grace because we've seen in this week Mark Sura comment on Aston Martin's Aston Martin's performance. 
potentially leading to Vettel's retirement at the end of the season. And he's been offered a test drive in Formula E as well, which that championship fits better than Formula One in terms of Vettel's approach to environment, the environment and climate change and sustainability. So it will be interesting to see whether he decides to stay and whether the car's performance, if it doesn't improve, has an impact on that. I don't know if any of you guys watched Question Time last week, but I did. And one of the things he said was, well, because they were talking about maybe it's a bit hypocritical driving, but he said, I love the sport. I think it brings lots of people joy and it brings me joy. And he was saying it's something he's had to like work out in his head whether it's sustainable or not. But since he said that, everyone's like, right, Vettel's leaving F1, blah, 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 blah. I think people miss that he had so much passion for the sport when he was talking about it. Like, you could tell he still loved it. And also, you mentioned the Formula E drive. I saw so many comments saying, well, yeah, he's definitely leaving. Formula E's a step down. Why are we seeing Formula E as a step down? It should, I mean, yeah, it's different. It's newer. But it will be the future someday. Electric cars are going to be the future. So I think if Vettel wants to pursue that, that would be great from a sustainability environmental approach, but also just great for his career to have a few more years behind the wheel because he's certainly good enough. And you know he loves that. Bringing Vettel in would also come with a fair amount of publicity, which I think would be really important for Formula E as it does move towards the third generation of car. So yeah, it's it's exciting I think he would do really well there. I think it would be great for the sport. But I don't know. I feel like he'd probably just retire and focus his his attention on on you know those issues that he championed on Question Time full time. So yeah, we'll have to see. But uh, it'll be exciting regardless. Uh, you know, to, you know, regardless of what he does next year. Also this week, there's been quite a lot of movement on the kind of ongoing jewelry gate. Sorry, I, I apologise for gating that. Um, I didn't mean to, it just happened. I feel like it's automatic at this stage with uh, with things like this. But yes, as everyone knows by this stage, there is an ongoing discussion over jewellery and the wearing of jewellery whilst in a Formula 1 car. Lewis Hamilton has been you know, fairly vocal about it. The FIA have said that they will fine him. I think he's been given a a free race pass uh, with regards to some of his piercings that he can't easily remove. So I'm right in thinking that that takes place this weekend that he has that free pass. And then so it'll be for next weekend, which is Monaco where he'll have to have changed that. But guys, what do you think about the jewelry gate? Um, do you, are you on board? Do you, do you disagree with it? On the one hand, I was like, it's their lives if they want to risk injury from jewellery then go right ahead. But we've seen this time and time again with the FIA banning things. I'm not sure whether they're doing it just to show that they're the boss, show some enforcement, or whether they genuinely believe it's a, uh, whether they genuinely believe it's a safety concern. And if it is... What are they going to do about drivers that have nipple piercings like Max Verstappen? I think that's a joke, but you never know. Yeah, it's it feels like a flexing of muscles. It's apparently been in the rules for years and years, if not decades, and it's never truly been enforced. It it feels like they don't want to back down. And apparently, Mohammed bin Salem is obsessed with it. We've heard this uh, that you know 
team principals and whoever else were in these meetings were trying to push things on to other topics and he was apparently really focused on this. It appears to be a hill that Lewis is willing to die on. He's really kind of fighting his corner on it. And I mean, the thing is, they've used it as saying it could be a safety problem, but apparently Roman Grosjean was less burnt where his wedding ring was and where his watch was because it hadn't the glove hadn't stuck to him so it's it's a tricky one we don't really i don't know we we have to believe that they know what they're talking about obviously but then the fact that they've done an exemption for wedding rings just kind of undermines like, the whole what's thing what's the point then why why can't i wear a, a wedding ring but why can't i wear a ring on my index yeah. finger or on my pinky yeah. finger it's so yeah. silly and then for drivers who maybe like I know Pierre Gasly wears a cross. I'm sure a lot of other drivers do as well or similar to their religions or their beliefs or something close to them. If they want that when they're driving, I think they should be able to have it because it must be such a comfort to have something maybe close to you or special to you. So I get the jewellery stuff. But the underwear thing is a different level. Like how can underwear harm you? Yeah, I didn't know there was an exemption for wedding rings. So it'll be interesting to see what Lewis does because I think he has to have surgery to remove one of the piercings. So it'll be interesting there. But he has been in the news again because of another FIA piece of news with Michael Massey. Apparently, Massey can return to the FIA. Now, he's not... He never really left it. He was just removed from his position. But Toto Wolff has said that Massey is a liability and Hamilton has said that he is astonished by this piece of news that Massey can come back. Now, I know that I'm a bit wary. I don't know how Massey can come back. And I think for Mercedes and Lewis, it will be very tough to build that level of trust again, which was broken in Abu Dhabi. But yeah, what do you guys think? I think it's a difficult one for the FIA, F1, all the teams, everyone involved to manage and kind of navigate. Because on the one hand, Massey was very much unfortunate to be in that position at that time when the team to race control radio starts being broadcast. There was obviously an incredibly intense championship battle between Hamilton and Verstappen. There was all these things that kind of added to this kind of perfect storm, which ultimately culminated with what happened in Abu Dhabi. But on the other hand what happened happened and there's a lot of scar tissue there massey was ultimately at the helm when when the events that that transpired did so it's it's difficult to then bring him back into the fold in any kind of serious way it also feels like a very strange time to kind of start talking about this you know we're five races into the year we haven't really had those really controversial moments where you are looking at the race director and seeing how they're performing. So there's a lot to kind of unpack here. It'll be interesting to see kind of what does does happen moving forward. But yeah, I think it's it's controversial to say the least. I think once it's as big as it has been with Massey and the controversy, I think, why are you bringing him back? Because you're just, either it's an attention grab or you really are a little bit unaware of how bad this controversy has got. Like the other day, a blooming football commentator said that if Liverpool were to win the Premier League, they'll need like a race director Massey result. It's become a bit of a, a 
a sports pop culture reference, hasn't it? And I think that's, it's the perception that's going to really, that is really doing damage here. Because we don't know all of the ins and outs that kind of happen or what what it was like before they started broadcasting the radio. And but the sport and the direction of the sport has been altered because of what happened at the end of last season. So I think it's sometimes you just need to move on and you need to kind of leave, you know, let bygones be bygones and, and move on from that. But interestingly, on the topic of things coming back to F1, we might be having a South African race in the next year or so, which will be the first time since 1993 that we had a race in Africa, which was the South African Grand Prix at Kyle Army in the year I was born. So I haven't actually been alive to see a, a South African Grand Prix. Guys, are you, are you pleased to see a, an African Grand Prix back on the calendar? Do you think we could have more to come in the years to follow? In all honesty, yes. South Africa is a great start, but I know maybe Morocco has a potential, maybe, I've heard. That could be good. I think it's just great to get it spreading across all continents, and it will be a good time zone for us European fans. Morocco had a race in 1958, right? Uh, I think. So, yeah, I think either one, anything, one in Africa, one in Africa at least would be good as like a, a token thing on what is a huge continent and we've got so many obviously spread around Central Europe and now we've got two soon to be three in America so I think it's it's only right and there are about what three in the Gulf states as well so yeah yeah I think it would be great and we know Hamilton has previously shared his thoughts on going back to Africa for it and Stefano Domenicali has said that there is commitment from Formula One and the FIA to get Africa on the calendar as soon as possible. So whether we'll see it on the 2023 calendar, I don't know. But there is another piece of news surrounding the 2023 calendar, and that is Baku and a sprint race potentially being held at the circuit. Now, the circuit has applied to help to be a host of the sprint race, and they feel that it could help draw attention to Baku with the number of street races that are being added to the calendar. We had Jeddah last year, Miami this year, Las Vegas next year. So what do you guys think about Baku hosting a sprint race? Baku doesn't need more attention. It's the best street race there is. Hands on heart. But it would be amazing. Two words, 100% yes. Oh, I'm absolutely with you on this one, Grace. I think it actually would be one of the best places that you could have a sprint race from a overtaking perspective, from a just entertainment point of view. I think it would be great. And yeah, I think it would really kind of solidify its claim as the the best street circuit on the calendar. I think it'd be carnage, wouldn't it? Probably. I mean, we'll see. It, it hopefully so just good. wouldn't be a, a DRS train. Uh, also, 100% yes is definitely three words, Grace. Just to... uh, uh, la, 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 la. Three words, 100% yes. Technically, oh. it's four because one and then 100% yes. And we've covered 100% of the news. Yes, thank you for that segue, Grace. That is that is perfect. So, yes, we have now done 100% of the news for this week's show. So thank you very much, guys, for joining me. It has been a pleasure as always. Abby, where can people find all the latest news from Formula Nerds? On our website at formulanerds.com and on all socials, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok and Instagram at Formula Nerds. 
Absolutely. And James, I'm pretty sure we have another podcast. What is it? Uh, Yeah, now you say it. I I do remember that. It's the Cut to the Race podcast, which will be out Sunday evening, just after the race, discussing all the best bits. But if that's not soon enough, go listen to our last one, which is with Jan Magnussen, ex-driver and dad of, you know, K-Mag. I know, Grace. You had the best time with that. You can just tell it was... What a great episode. So if you haven't listened to that already, check it out. Podcast Network.